HYY and Billy Penn. It is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. Welcome back to your favorite Phillies podcast. I'm John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You know, we took a little bit of time off there uh, during Christmas week, just as uh, we were all kind of visiting family and friends, and I had COVID and couldn't talk for a little while there. So we had a little bit of a, a siesta for a week. But uh, now we are back here as we start a brand new year recording on New Year's Day 2024. Thank you all for being with us during the year 2023. Uh, up and down year for sure. A lot of fun. A lot of things to talk about with the Phillies last year. And we're, of course, hoping 2024 will be even better. I feel like it will be. So thanks for coming along on this journey with us on a brand new year. Hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas and had a happy New Year's Eve celebration last night. Uh, joining me to talk some Phil's baseball. Little things to talk about here on this episode of the podcast. But we're going to have some fun, too. Justin Clue from Baseball Prospectus. The Dirty Inning uh, the, could be award-winning Dirty Inning. We're going to get to that in just a second as well. And of course, uh, absolutely hammered on our Hit and Season Patreon. Follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore Clue. Justin, how's it going, buddy? Now we've got the uh, hassle of the holidays behind us. It's nice to just be in the part of midwinter where we're just waiting for it to turn into spring. Uh, and watching the Phillies video yearbook that just dropped has been, I, I think I'm like, I'm watching the footage of this team and just being like, okay, no, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready for this again. Uh, <laughs> took some took some staring out the window, but I finally, I think I'm, I'm ready to be back. <laughs> Yeah, I want to. I want to get. A, I want to get some thoughts on on the yearbook too, and I want to hear from from Liz Rocher from Yahoo Sports. Follow her on Twitter at Liz Rocher about the yearbook in a second. Um, Liz, have you seen the yearbook yet? I have not. I feel. I feel okay. bad now. Well, you. I mean, here's the thing about the yearbook, and um, as I I was reluctant to watch it, and I kind of skipped around on it a little bit. Um, it's uh, it's it's kind of a tough watch knowing what's coming at the end. You know, it's not like in 2022 where it was so unexpected and the and the ride was was so great that, yeah, you got to the World Series part and you're like, oh, that, that really sucked. But man, what a year that was not the case with 2023 at all. You know, it was just like <laughs> knowing that there was this anvil hanging over your head and there's this little the, the ter Terry Lavolo's up, uh, up five stories above you with a little knife and he's sawing through the rope, you know, getting ready to drop that thing on your head as you approach that part of the yearbook. But they, they always do a good job with the yearbook and, and we all compare them to the 1993 yearbook that of course is the pinnacle it'll be hard to ever top that because of all the behind the scenes fun stuff in that uh, but it was a it was a really good recap of, of 2023 so kudos to, to the folks who put that together but did you find did any of you guys I mean Liz you didn't you didn't see it yet but are you reluctant to see it Liz be simply kind of knowing how things shook out and how disappointing the ending is well I mean I, I've stayed away from any baseball highlights really uh, or anything of the sort since the Phillies got eliminated. So I, I'm kind of ready to go back. I actually just put it on my tablet right next to me. So I'm yeah. going to be, I just have it on with like captions. So I'm going to watch it as this goes. So uh, get ready, All everyone, right. I'm sure. <laughs> Live watch along with me and only me while everyone else <laughs> is doing the podcast. So, so Liz is watching the yearbook as we podcast here, folks. This is this is this is second level. This is next level uh, um, duplication of effort here. So I <laughs> I, I, I I appreciate that. Um, I actually Justin, feel uh, the opposite, John, yeah, from from what yeah. you're saying because this, uh, especially the stuff from the earlier part of the season, the stuff that more rapidly left your head as the season went on and time went by. It's nice to just get a reminder of like. 
you know, yes, there were there are obviously some rough stretches at the beginning, and you even hear Thompson at uh, Rob Thompson at a press conference talking about how like we got to stop this stuff where we win four, lose six, win five, lose five, and eventually they do <laughs> stop doing that and start looking like a better team. And I just think it's important <laughs> to remember that we, you know, at the time uh, of the t- when the team was like becoming good and was fun to watch again. Uh, we we were enjoying that, like we were having fun because we didn't yeah. know what the future was, and I feel like there's just this overlying uh, fandom affliction now, where everyone can't enjoy highlights because they know how the season ended, and if it doesn't end with a World Series title, then nothing was fun, and none of that fun counted. But it did, and I think it's just important to remember that that we were having fun watching this team. That it was like it was great. They were they are a good team. They have fun players. Bryson Stott, you know, they talk about what he was able to do in the earlier part of the season. You're like, oh, right, that's right. He was absolutely on fire. He was, like, hitting these um, Phillies franchise milestones. And <clears throat> uh, it's just it's cool to remember that stuff because that really gets lost in the disappointment of not getting to the World Series, uh, which obviously is going to be, like, the defining factor of this season. But since, like, that's the last thing people watched, they treat that like that that was the whole season. But it wasn't. It was a really fun season. It really was. The Phillies were good again for the second time. They went to the postseason again for the second time in a row. They have a lot of young players. They have a couple of, uh, obviously have a bunch of established stars. And they're probably going to be a good team again this year. That goes back to the playoffs. That's at least where the expectations are going to be. So, I don't know. I just like things that point out, like, yo, we did have a lot of fun here. The season isn't defined by the disappointment at the end. Yeah, how dare you, John? (laughs) <laughs> I think you're wrong. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, enjoying the moments that a season gives you, that a, that a successful season doesn't necessarily have to end in a championship. That's why I look back at the 22 Phillies and even the 22 Eagles to an extent and, and just look at that season and be like, you know, they accomplished a lot. And it was, it was the, the moments that they gave us were great. And it didn't really matter to me as much that they didn't win at all because it did feel like they were building towards something and that better days were ahead. And uh, with, 20, with the 2023 Phillies it was you know you take a little bit of a step back and it was just so unexpected the way they lost that series and the team they lost it to um it it does for me dampen it a little bit but I still watched I still enjoyed it and I'm still looking forward to 2024 it just it it did have an effect on me in a a little bit of a way that it it took the Braves series winning that series a little bit of the luster is taken off that series for me just a little bit you know that's that's okay that's everybody experiences themselves you just can't let it debilitate you I mean like I can't watch the video okay you think I'm to your to each your own that's fine but I don't think you're enjoying sports to your utmost if, if that's the only way you can consume it is if there was no sadness or disappointment at the at the end of the final game of the season because then no vi- no no team other than the World Series champion should ever put out a highlight video if that's the case. So I will um, also say this that they based it around the um, the love affair national media suddenly had with Philadelphia and Philadelphia fans. Um, is really funny to me because I spent a chunk of this past month during the holiday season with people who are very big sports fans, but not very big Philadelphia fans and just got some outside perspective on that. And as you might've guessed, people hated that. Uh, They were were really disgusted and angry and really sick of it by the end that 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 Philadelphia was was getting so so much props for, for standing and cheering (laughs) and, and being happy and for being loud. Like that was, you know, and I feel like, that title of like loudest, craziest place in the league gets kind of rotated around from city to city, depending on like who's trendy at the time. And this was just kind of our turn. But yeah, people outside of Philadelphia were not into that. And you know, I like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Second, no, everybody that. else. Yep. It's our turn. 
That's right. That's right. And uh, hopefully that continues in, in 24. Before we get into uh, stuff with the Phillies, too, I, I want to let everyone know, and for anybody who follows us online, uh, they, they certainly know about this as well, but uh, we are awash in possibilities of uh, an, an, a potential uh, award this year um, for hit and season and for uh, the Dirty Inning, uh, which Justin co-hosts with, uh, with Trev. And uh, we want to encourage everyone uh, to vote for us, please. Both of our podcasts, Hit and Season, two of Justin's podcasts. So Justin is on... You you know, one of the one of the more uh, honored podcasters in, in, in this particular prolific group is the prolific. Thank podcasters. you. Thank you. I believe that's what he demands to be called the king of podcasters. The king of podcasters. Uh, I, I, that's I've, right. I've come around on the term iconoclast. I'm not entirely <laughs> okay. sure what it means, but it feels like it's appropriate. Underused. Yeah, I'd, underused, I'd say. Yeah, I think so. And um, so we want to encourage everybody to go to, um, you can go to any of our timelines, our, our Twitter timelines, but uh, it's, it's pinned to my Twitter timeline, the link to get to the sports podcast group's best baseball podcast, both the, the hit and season and the dirty inning nominated one of 12 finalists for best baseball podcast of 2023. But uh, neither of us can win without your vote. So pick which one you like better and, and give us uh, give us a vote. Uh, we would certainly appreciate it and tell your friends to vote for hit and season or the dirty inning for best baseball podcast of 2023 let uh, again, us be the first philadelphia team that reaches the championship round and succeeds that's right <laughs> and doesn't lose in heartbreaking fashion because also consider we're going up against john Heyman, and you you know come we, on guys come you, on. like can we can we not <laughs> you know can we not uh, have john Heyman win this thing i mean come on now have so, i listened um, to his show no no do i assume it's got uh, a third of the uh the liveliness and analysis and you know does he have insider info yes impossibly more than we do but uh i feel like it's it, you know you can't really compare the two i think we just bring a better product to the table and i feel yeah. like you know you, you, you know that you know that listeners Everybody knows that. And so we want you to, um, to, to bang that link on, on uh, my Twitter feed. It's pinned right there, at John Stolness is uh, how you can find me there. And uh, uh, it's on the W. I think it's on the uh, the Billy Penn Instagram page as well. So head on over to the Billy Graham Instagram, uh, Billy Penn Instagram, and you can find it there. All right, let's talk some baseball. Uh, the Phillies haven't done anything yet. We are still waiting for Dave Dombrowski to do something. I feel like any day now, uh, Dave's going to come back from vacation, emerge uh, from his uh, his bunker, wherever he is in, in Nashville or wherever he lives during the offseason, and something's going to get done, something's going to happen, and I know a lot of Who folks are... Who do you are... think he is? I'm sorry. What well, bunker is he, he in? <laughs> I thought maybe he lived in like some kind of underground housing unit in Nashville. You know, he was trying to get that that city a, a, a team, and I don't know. Maybe he thought he really liked it there. I just Does he strike I don't know you as a doomsday prepper. No, but it's always the guys that you never suspect. All right, it's always anyway, the dentist. Sorry. It's always the dentist, and you know who has a thriving practice in the middle of your your subdivision. Who you know is is the one who's got like you know sixty five seven gallon drums of baked beans in a storage unit somewhere. You know what I mean? So hey, anybody watching the Eagles is familiar with the concept of doomsday at this point. That's so right. That's I, right. I think, I think that just that everybody around here just about qualifies yeah. for that. Exactly. Well, this, this is simply our way of saying Dave Dombrowski. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get some things done here. Cause uh, the Atlanta Braves made a trade this week. And I would say a lot of the things that the Braves have done during the course of the off season so far has not really been all that impactful. They've, been like making a lot of noise. They've been doing a lot of things, but I don't really think that they've done anything to move the needle for them necessarily. The first move that they have made this offseason that I think actually might make a little bit of a difference was trading away their young infield prospect Vaughn Grissom, who was supposed to be their shortstop of the future until Orlando Arcia staked some claim to that job during the course of the spring. 
traded him away to the Boston Red Sox for Chris Sale. Now, Chris Sale back in the day was one of the great left-handed pitchers uh, in all of baseball for about a six or seven year span. One of the most dominant pitchers in the American League, but injuries over the last couple of years have really sapped his effectiveness. He... I think started, I don't have his stats in front of me. I should have pulled him up, but I think he was, pitched like 120 innings last year for the Red Sox and put up an ERA a little over four. So not the pitcher he used to be. At least he hasn't been over the last couple of years. He's in his mid-30s, but this is somebody that the Braves are hoping to slot into the middle of their starting rotation after Spencer Strider and Max Freed, probably before Charlie Morton, who's continuing to age, and Bryce Elder towards the back of the rotation there. So you've got... Sale essentially is, they're hoping, I would imagine, to get 20 starts out of him this season. I think if they got anything more than 20 starts out of him, they would be happy with that. Basically, they want to have somebody better ready for game three of a playoff series, it seems. And so, initial thoughts. Uh, Liz, on, on, on Chris Sale being traded uh, to the Atlanta Braves, do you think this moves the needle any for Atlanta? If so, how much? They, they really think they could find another Charlie Morton. I mean, then good luck to him. I don't know if Chris Sale is that guy anymore, but I mean, we'll see. Uh, I mean, as far as as teams wanting to specifically prepare for the one thing that that doomed them last playoffs, like they're certainly doing it. I mean, and that's all you can say because that's uh, that's not the type. I mean, maybe it will happen again and he'll be useful, but like, okay, yeah, I'm. I mean, if you look at Justin, if you look at some of the peripherals on him, um, you know, the strikeouts per nine down from where they were at his peak, he was a 13 strikeouts per nine guy uh, back in 2019. It was down to just under 11 last year, which is still good. I mean, he's still striking out more than a batter per nine innings, uh, two and a half walks per nine innings. But, uh, you know, he's he's just he's not the same guy, doesn't have that velocity. Um, he's a he's like a 93, 94 mile an hour guy now. And uh, the stuff just isn't what it used to be. The success of this, I mean, it's easy to look at this and be like, okay, the, the Braves made a trade for a guy who used to be a top-tier lefty all across baseball. Um, but I think you got to frame it around how the Braves are viewing his role. And, John, you kind of hinted, hinted at this earlier when you said uh, they want a third guy in a playoff series who can go out there and give them a, a good, deep start. Uh, and that's uh, that is how the Braves are looking at it. They're looking at him as a third or fourth starter, not as like a well, no, Chris Sale was good all those years ago. We're going to slot him in at number one, and you know, just assume that guy is going to come back. They're not doing that. I wish they were doing that, but they're not doing that. Uh, he adds a second lefty to their rotation, but I will say this: the Phils had a 9.23 OPS against left-handed hitters or left-handed pitchers in the 2023 postseason. So again, that doesn't super alarm me. Uh, and his, his time in Boston, ever since he got that extension in 2020, has been. Bad. That is not, uh, he certainly failed to really make an impact. Like you said, he's hurt all the time and his elite days are behind him. But again, the Braves kind of view him as more of a middle of the rotation guy. So there's a little less pressure there. Uh, I will say something that I'm, I'm happy about it with this deal is that they, they went through a trade to get the guy to fill this role, which means a promising young player from the Atlanta Braves organization is now no longer with the Atlanta Braves organization. <laughs> yeah. Vaughn no. not, not that he was particularly fearsome or you know intimidating, but he's he is one of those guys that's just part of the Braves system that keeps churning out these great players, and now he's not. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, and it does stack the Braves rotation a little better, at least you know strengthens or solidifies it. Because like you're saying, John, yes, he has fallen off, but... This is a guy who holds the uh, an all-time record for strikeouts per nine with 11.1 currently. That's the that's like the highest all-time. And last year 
he his his uh, strikeouts per nine were eleven. So he's still capable of hitting that. Uh, so he yeah. is you know he is still a good pitcher. The numbers aren't going to show you that he is a dominant pitcher, but he is still capable of, of being, I think, an effective middle of the rotation guy. He's just not somebody that like this <clears throat> this deal isn't going to strike fear into your heart because he's just he's not an ace. Right, and he's not going to pitch deep into games, and he's probably not going to pitch half your game. Half, you know, he made twenty starts last year for Boston, so he missed about twelve starts, which is, you know, essentially a month or two of the season. So, I mean, you can you can reasonably expect Atlanta to not have him for two months out of the season coming up here in twenty twenty four, and it's just a matter of which months is he going to miss? Is he going to miss them in big chunks? Is he going to miss them here and there? I would imagine they're going to try and take it as easy on him as possible uh, with regards to maybe they go with a six man rotation at different times. This, this season to keep him to keep him fresh to keep him healthy but uh, he is a guy who is is going to get is, is not going to be available at different parts of the season but as you look at the rotation on paper i'm curious how you guys think this matches up with what the phillies have you've got strider freed sale morton and elder and then for the phillies of course we know who their five are zach wheeler aaron nola ranger suarez taiwan walker and christopher sanchez i look at the top two i think what we've seen over these last couple of years is in the regular season you probably want strider and freed over wheeler nola but in the postseason you want wheeler nola over strider freed uh, and then, so it comes down to like, you know, your your number three starter, Chris Sale versus Ranger Suarez, two left-handers. Suarez has trouble staying healthy as well. So you have to kind of put, you have to kind of put that out there in addition to, in addition to anything else. And he's kind of an enigma. I, I was expecting an all-star type season from Suarez, or at least a much better season than he ended up having. He can be really, really good, but... It seems to take him a while when he gets hurt to come back and be effective again. So we just haven't seen a a full healthy season of an effective Ranger Suarez yet. And I think it's in there somewhere, but could be a very similar type situation to Chris Sale in terms of numbers and availability. And then Charlie Morton versus Taiwan Walker, you've got to give the edge to the, to the Braves there as long as Charlie Morton's age doesn't become a factor here. I mean, he's entering his late 30s at this point. And then number five starters are number five starters. Bryce Elder, Christopher Sanchez, you know, we'll see. But as you look at those two starting rotations, uh, Justin, which one would you would you rather have? Which one do you think is better? Well, uh, looking, you know, looking at numbers alone, I, I feel like the Braves still have it here. I mean, Spencer Strider is an unbelievable talent. Uh, he was worth 3.4 wins above replacement last year. And Max Freed, uh, he, he was banged up in 2023. He didn't have, like, a complete season. I think he only made 14 starts. But in the season before, uh, his uh, all-star gold glove runner-up Cy Young season in 2022, he was worth 5.9 wins above replacement all by himself. Uh, so if you add those two numbers together, his last full season and Strider, uh, you wind up with a larger number than you get combining the wins above replacement for Wheeler and Nola last year. Wheeler was worth 4.3 nola was worth less so uh that that i feel like is an indicator of the, the level of skill you're dealing with obviously you don't want to use one stat to define everything and like you said john in the postseason the phillies uh, phillies guys are unbeatable it feels like a lot of the time they've seemed to really hit their strides until you know they don't anymore but they uh they are definitely impactful when you need them to be or can be at least have shown that they can step up in big moments they have also shown you know we're all very familiar with Aaron Nola's MO he's also shown that he cannot step up in big moments occasionally so I don't know I feel like the Phillies wind up with like the deepest rotation I think that's what we said going into the 2023 postseason that was a strength of theirs they had a bunch of pitchers maybe not maybe not like a crew that was significantly 
better than than a than a rotation like the Braves, but certainly they had more options uh, with with everybody healthy. So I don't know. I'm still going with the Braves though because they just have they they, they have a very dominant front end of their rotation, and adding Sale, I think you know at least adds some stability to the middle of it. Uh, that being said, you know I, I feel like all, if all that matters is getting to the postseason and winning in the postseason, then the Phillies have it. <laughs> Yeah. Liz, what do you think? I mean, I agree. Uh, I would, uh, Spencer Strider is a great pitcher, and it's one of those dreams you have to be like, what would it be like for him to be on the Phillies? You know, something you know will never, ever happen. Um, it, it just, it feels weird to, to, it's not weird to compare them. I do think the Braves are better, but, you know, Charlie Morton didn't, he wasn't around last year for the playoffs. <clears throat> excuse me, as you said, John, due to injury. So, um, you know, the Braves are, they're always have like someone who's right there and just as good to replace whoever it is they just lost. So, well, and, Fre- and Freed had like a blister thing, didn't he? That, that they were concerned about. He had something yeah. going on towards yeah, the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not, and that's the second year in a row that he had something that was ailing him going into the postseason. You can say that's bad luck and it, Probably is and may not happen again, but um, no, I, I agree. I think on paper you have to look at the Braves' starting rotation and give them the edge, especially as you get kind of near the back of the rotation. But uh, it's just when you get into the playoffs. And Spencer Strider, you know, the Phillies beat him twice uh, last year, but uh, in Game One and then in in Game Five. But he pitched great in both of those games. I mean, there was that's not on him. You know, he gave up some solo home runs, but he he pitched great in in those losses, and so um, he just wasn't quite as dominant as Zach Wheeler was in, in those starts. But uh, I think the Braves, I, that's why I think that sale acquisition, um, I would have said the Phillies have the better starting rotation before sale came along. But with him in there, I think that does make, I think that does push Atlanta ahead of Philadelphia just a little bit in terms of the regular season. Postseason, I, I probably still would rather have the Phillies guys than than the Braves guys. But um, And then I was going to throw one other team into the mix with uh, the, all the moves the Dodgers have been making. They have Tyler Glass now at the top of the rotation. Uh, Yamamoto now is their number two. I just assume they're going to re-sign Clayton Kershaw, right? I mean, he's not retiring, is he? Nope. So yeah. So he's coming like, back at some point. Yeah, and I mean, how 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 threatening do you do you view a Clayton Kershaw at, yeah, at this point? Yeah, and like, Walker Bueller too. I mean, Kershaw was very good last year, but I don't I don't know what he's got left yeah. in the tank. And Walker Bueller's coming off a, a major injury, so when he was at the top of his game, he was great. So I mean, if if Kershaw and Bueller are effective, the Dodgers have. And we don't know what Yamamoto's going to look like, but I think we all assume he's going to be an All Star caliber pitcher. But right. lo- yeah. Assuming that all of these guys, uh, like from Kershaw to Yamamoto, like let's just remove X factors from the equation and just assume they, they put up seasons that you could predict uh, from them. That's a really good rotation. Like that's just, they are by default all, all like uh, pretty set up. But the reason that they brought in Glasnow and Yamamoto was because their starting pitching was starting to look a little thin yeah. coming into this season. So oh, yeah. they, they are also very aware they needed to start propping propping that aspect of their game up because they're just. You know, they, they, you saw what they got from Kershaw in the postseason. That right. was one of the most depressing postseason starts yeah. of all time. Yeah. So that, yeah, they, they that was definitely they, they are addressing a weakness by bringing those guys in. Now, are they better with uh, Glass now and Yamamoto? Almost assuredly, yes. Even before we even you know see them see them um, pitch an inning. But uh, I, I, yeah, I think it's worth noting that this was an area of need for the Dodgers, and they had to address it by bringing in you know two of the biggest pitching names they could get. 
And we also have to uh, be mindful of the fact that uh, should he recover well from his surgery, Otani will join the rotation in 2025, but certainly not for for this year coming up. Uh, The other aspect of the Chris Sale trade that I wanted to mention was, you know, Vaughn Grissom last year lost the starting shortstop job to Orlando Arcia, and for good reason. Arcia played well enough to make the all-star team uh, in the middle of the season. I think Arcia slipped a little bit as the season went along. Um, Vaughn Grissom is 22 years old. He has put up monster numbers in AAA at a very young age. They He's been one of their top offensive prospects for a number of years now. Moving him to Boston, I see. I think it's a great deal for Boston. I don't know if Vaughn Grissom's going to, how good he's going to be, but they're going to have him play second base in Boston right now. And I'm happy to see him leave the division for the Braves to go with Arcia full-time. I mean, Arcia coming into 2023 had not been a good offensive player. Last year was kind of a career year for him, and they are really banking on him repeating that performance, giving away a young guy like Vaughn Grissom and going with Arcia as their everyday guy for the future. He has a career OPS of 679, does Arcia. So I think it always it, works a, out for the Braves, though, doesn't it? It always it works does. out for them. Yeah, it it does kind of always, always work out for the Braves. But even last year, Arcia, guess what? Guess what his OPS was at the end of the season, Orlando Arcia? Uh, 800 lower, too high, lower 680 lower. Oh my God. 500. <laughs> I don't know. Higher <laughs> 659. Woo. 659. Wow. He hit Try, 280. Add in the. Add in the fact that uh, he was definitely driven insane by Phillies fans by the end of that NLDS. <laughs> and yeah, boy, right. That's a, that's a broken man right there. That is. Yeah. Oh, no, wait a minute. I'm looking at the wrong guy. Hang on a oh, second. No. <laughs> hang on a second. I'm looking at Vaughn Grissom's numbers. No, hang on a second. But I, I did look at this earlier, and I did notice that the number was was lower than I than I had anticipated. But no, I'm like, wait a minute. That, that's too low for Orlando Arcia last year. That's not right. There was, All right, there uh, was a lot of kicking and screaming from Braves fans coming out of spring training last year when Arcia got the job at short, <clears throat> shortstop and Grissom didn't. And there was, yeah, obviously people went to yeah. service time manipulation and, and accusations of that. And yeah, who knows? how much uh, things like that play into decisions like this. Sometimes it's pretty clear that's what's going on. Other times, you know, it's just an accusation. You don't know what happened. Point being, Braves were pretty right about Arcia, I feel like. Like, uh, he did play his way into that job, and you did see him play well enough this year that it wasn't like, oh, that was Vaughn Grissom's job, and they just gave it to Arcia so they could, you know, they could benefit in another way. I I really don't think that was the case. Arcia did earn that job. He is just now, you know, shattered mentally. (laughs) It was a a 741 OPS for him last year. So, you know, decent, not amazing. Um, But, uh, you know, certainly I think Vaughn Grissom has more upside than Arcia does. But I I think it's an interesting decision by Atlanta. They're definitely in in win-now mode. Uh, They're they're not trying to – they've got enough young players that they could probably get away with not keeping Vaughn Grissom around. But I think Vaughn Grissom could be a good young player for them. So – Feels like the kind yeah. of move you make in this particular offseason. I mean, the, yeah. these GMs and, and presidents of baseball ops, what have you, uh, are going to have to get a little creative. This is a barren, not barren, but um, kind of starved free agent market. And we've been hearing since the beginning of the offseason that the trade market is, is where a lot of the action is really going to be. And this is Anthopolis making that happen in classic Braves fashion, like from, from nowhere. 
no hints that something like this was going down, uh, and a deal that addresses an area they felt like they could stand to improve. So whatever, when, when a deal like this happens with the Braves, it's typically exactly what like Anthopolis was wanted to happen. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like that's, that's generally the approach. It's just a very 2023, 24 off season specifically kind of move. Cause you got to uh, managers or uh, GMs trying to improve are going to have to like dig stuff like this up out of, out of uh, just out of, out of nowhere. It feels like. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of, it's, it's like you see teams like the Braves being active, but again, not doing a whole lot to, to move the needle up. But I think this deal does Dave Dombrowski not doing much so far. Although I think we're hoping that, there is some kind of Zach Wheeler extension talks that are being worked on right now. And one would imagine that they are going to continue to add. I mean, it is still just January 1st. We're still a couple of months away from spring training. Dave Dombrowski has in the past added guys in February and even early March uh, as they kind of sit there on the vine and uh, start to overripen a little bit. Uh, and uh, we're sitting here and we know that the Phillies have some holes. Uh, they're not going to add a big name to their starting rotation. I know they can't some of the national writers want to keep mentioning Blake Snell and uh, Jordan Montgomery and linking them to the Phillies. It's just that they don't all have a need for that. Yeah, and because Scott Boris is feeding John Heyman information um, to try and get the Phillies to bite and get other teams to believe that the Phillies are biting here. The Josh Hader connections to the Phillies continue to be made. And again, I would be shocked if they end up doing something like that. But they do need a, they do need to, to add a bullpen piece, and they do need to add an outfielder. But it doesn't sound as though they're looking to make a, a big splash in either one of those places. As you look at these two positions, Liz, the outfield and the bullpen, which position, if, if they're going to make one move, which position is more important for the Phillies to address for 2024? Um, I would say the the bullpen to me. I feel like they have a lot of guys. They have guys they could put places in the outfield, but the bullpen isn't quite. <clears throat> excuse me, the bullpen is. It's not quite as easy. I that is my priority is the bullpen. Justin, what do you think? I think it's got to be the bullpen. Honestly, I, I feel like the the bat outfield role that um, that we're waiting to see them fill has pretty pretty downplayed by by insiders as far as what your expectations should be um for, I, don't, I don't know if, if they're throwing around the term impact bat for that but I don't think like I think that would even almost be too strong a term when Mac Gelb's talking people down from even like Tommy Pham then you're probably not looking at like the biggest name yeah. out there getting to fill that role I mean you know again they always have the capacity to surprise you but at the same time I don't think you should be looking for that that's a role that's going to be filled by somebody who if they are having a good season, then the Phillies are probably doing pretty well. Like that's that kind of fringe <clears throat> role where it's like, oh, everything's clicking. He plays this, you know, he plays this big role by having a mid-range season. Uh, that, that's, but I don't think that's somebody that wh whose success or failure is going to define the Phillies' 2024 season. I think that the late relief help that they're going to go out and get is going to play a much more pivotal role and watching what Craig Kimbrell failed to do in the end of the Phillies postseason run in 23, I think has people pretty hot about whoever is going to fill this role because you know, you, you can, you're only going to get so many more, uh, 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 
un- unhittable pitches from like Jose Alvarado. Like, you know, I, I love him and, and I think he's, you know, it's great that he's there. He's back there and he's one of the Phillies hard throwing options late in games, but you know, it, it feels like it's time. T- the clock is always ticking, I guess. I don't yeah. want to get too, I don't want to get too down on this. Like, but I, I just want them to, to go out and get a guy like, you know, Emmanuel Classe, who they've been linked to from Cleveland, uh, who has like a proven track record and who just gives you, gives you another arm out there that you can hopefully trust. Yeah, that's the guy that I would love to see them go out and, and trade for. But again, I don't know exactly what they would have to give up and what they would be willing to give up. You know, they might have to give up like a, a Johan Rojas. I don't know if you guys saw uh, the Alex Coffey story about Johan Rojas, but apparently he's been really working hard this offseason, working with Kevin Long this offseason. He's been getting bulking up a little bit, trying to become more impactful as a hitter. They showed some video of, of him. He's really trying to make sure that he that he's able to earn that outfield job. And I, I think, man, if they can get anything offensively from Johan Rojas, then there's your outfielder because he's already elite defensively. He can be a three-win, two-three-win player if he can give you, man, if he can give you like a, a 720 to 750 OPS Maybe even just a 700 OPS, he can still be like a uh, he can still be a guy that you play 80 percent of the time out there in in center field, and you can move Marsh to left, and then you don't you don't need to go get that big outfield bat. So that's going to be such a big thing, and I, I think that's why that you don't you're you're hearing a lot of poo pooing about even a guy like Tommy Pham or Jock Peterson at this point because they I think they rightfully so believe that Johan Rojas can win that job, can be that guy, but he's got to do more offensively than what he showed in the postseason and even really in the regular season. He a lot of the hits that he got were bunt hits, kind of seeing eye grounders, you know, that kind of thing. Like he got a lot of bad bad uh, uh, luck on that kind of stuff. Whereas with the with the bullpen, you've got to get the Craig Kimball replacement. And I don't think signing Craig Kimbrell is the right idea, um, even though he's out there. Uh, I think you have got to look at some, you know, there's guys no, he's like. Not. No, he's, he's not. He's a Baltimore Oriole now. Oh, that's right. That's yes, right. I forgot is. about that. You're right. Thank you, Baltimore, for, for keeping us from that mistake. But, I mean, there's guys like Jordan Hicks and Robert Stevenson and old pal Hector Neris. Bring, bring Hector Neris back on a, on a one or two year deal. I'd be, I'd be all for no, that. No, no, no. He's good now. He's good now. I got no problem with Hector. The team needs Hector. Oh my God! It was, it was good before as well. Like you got to say was. it. Oh, there he was. There was obviously some challenging moments and uh, rough stretches, but he was he was good before, and yeah, he has looked very good with Houston ever since. I, I think they got it. But I agree with you, Justin. I think if they traded for like Emmanuel Classe, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. And then, you know what? Moving somebody like Kirkering or or Rojas in a deal for Classe. Would you move Rojas in a deal for Classe, guys? I would. I, I would do that right now. Yeah. I mean, it feels it feels like a it would feel like an abrupt end to this story that's ongoing. Like you said, Alex Coffey's story was about how I mean, I, I think at the time it came out, she was saying. Johan Rojas is like the only Phillies player like playing baseball right now (laughs) because uh, of the work he was putting in. And, you know, he saw the same thing everybody else did when Dave Dombrowski was like, yeah, look, Johan Rojas, we have high hopes for him, but he's going to have to win that job in spring training because we just didn't see enough from from his bat. And if, you know, your mission is to get better at hitting, then, you know, he's doing the right thing. He's working with his hitting coach. He's putting on muscle. Uh, You know, he's he's still getting he's getting more reps in Yeah, that he's. I, with that, with that being the case, it feels like he has a pretty good chance he's going to come into spring training as a as a better hitter than he was last year, and that's you know what the Phillies asked him to do. Um, but then to see him traded for late inning relief would be like, yeah, I, that's especially if it's for a guy like Class A who we're saying we want. 
that would be, you know, that would be good for the Phillies, but it would also just be, it feels like a sudden end to that narrative of like, Johan Rojas is going to come back. He's going to, he's going to be a more complete player. He's another success story from the Phillies farm system that wasn't super expected. Uh, and he get he helps the Phillies at least have the, um, the option of deploying a more defensive oriented outfield, which is also, I think, important for this team. Uh, but that being said, yeah, it'd, it'd be, I, I think if that trade were to go down, I would feel, I would in the end feel pretty good about it, honestly. Uh, more so that the Phillies gained uh, a pitcher that they needed while giving up an outfielder that perhaps wasn't required. Yeah, I mean, this is all about getting getting to the World Series again and winning it. And this is, with Class A, you have that late-inning guy that we have seen this team needs. We thought going into the season, wow, they got four potential closers. And then at the end of the, by the time the, the latter part of the playoffs were rolling around, Jeff Hoffman was the only guy we trusted. So... There's, I mean, I guess that's not true. The only right-handed guy that we trusted because, you know, they, they lost confidence in Sir Anthony Dominguez and you can't pitch Jose Alvarado three innings every night in, in, in the postseason. I think trust is fluid, John. Trust is fluid. <laughs> it also has to be earned. And Too true. It's quite easily lost, Too especially true. in this context. <laughs> and, and I speak as, Liz, I speak as someone who loves Rojas. I think he's got a, a ton of potential. If he can be anything as a hitter, he's still super young. The defense is already Andrew Jones like. I mean, it is absolutely elite if he can give you anything with the bat he's a potential star in the making and he's a homegrown star that you don't have to pay 350 million dollars over 12 years to, to to have on your team for the first few years which is something this team needs they need some of these these young guys so I, I get why the Phillies are reluctant to go out and get Adam Duvall or something like that but and they can always trade for some and we keep rem- having you know having to remember there is a trade deadline that they can make and, and add, like if you see if you don't see enough from Rojas over the first couple of months, Pache doesn't come through, you're not able to get somebody uh, to, to stem the tide. You, you, you add somebody in season, you add somebody at the trade deadline, and more, more guys might be available at that time, and they might not cost you as much as right now. It doesn't have to happen right now, necessarily. So I think that's something to remember as well. Yes, the Phillies... We'll have opportunities to trade. And I also think that with what Johan Rojas has shown, you, you know, over the past season uh, on the uh, the Phillies video yearbook, he just made his debut uh, on uh, in the course of the year, whenever that is. Um, I don't think they'd have to give him up for Class A. I think they'd be able to find a way to do it without him. So they should actually, they should get on that. I, I think the... I think Cleveland would take a lot less. I hope so. I, I that would. I mean, Class A is a very, very good reliever uh, who's made a few All Star teams. I'm concerned that it would be something that would be a little bit painful for the Phillies. But uh, if it was uh, something other than uh, if it was something other than Rojas, I'd be all. I, I would be. I would definitely want to hear what uh, what Cleveland has to say uh, regarding him. But otherwise, there's a, there's some free agents out there you could go get that would be that would be effective in the uh, Craig Kimball role. I think so. We'll see. I started honestly looking at Robert Stevenson a little more. Yeah, Robert Stevenson would be a good one. Yep. He's going to be 31. He's got a slider four seamer that has only really like since he went from Pittsburgh to Tampa in early June last year. Uh, the race pitching coach was like, "Why don't you just change your uh, release point?" by a couple of centimeters and he did and now his slider looks so much like his four seamer that hitters can't recognize it and mm. they chase mm. it and he was ab- able to add some velocity to it and now yeah now they, they can't they can't identify what pitch is coming at them and 
Ray's beat writer Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times called it practically unhittable at this point. By mid-September, okay. Stevenson had a 59.3% swing and miss rate on his slider, which is obscene. I like and that. The pitch, the pitch being good is one thing, but his ability to make that adjustment and his willingness to make that adjustment I think is also huge because he's a guy who has not, you know, he's had a couple of uh, rough stretches in his career. He's been on a bunch of different teams, I think. And I, I feel like that, that's also just a good sign because the day the pitching coach came to him and was like, you want to make this adjustment? He said the day that happened, he made the adjustment and he started reaping the benefits. Um, they have him, MLB trade rumors had him at potentially getting four years, 36 million. He has fewer mm. arm issues than his frequently co- com- compared other pitcher, Jordan Hicks, who throws harder, but he uh, obviously, like I just said, he's been healthier than him, and he's not as pricey as a Josh Hader. So I don't know. I started the more I looked into on him, I, the more I felt like this is also a guy who I would not be disappointed to see joining the Phillies bullpen. I'll say too, if Josh Hader is still hanging around, hasn't signed with anybody by late February, that's where I think Dave jumps in. But yeah, I think that's a good idea. I I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's sniffing around the Josh Hader market just yet. But uh, if Hader's still around and uh, he can't find somebody to to pay him what he wants, that's where I think Dave starts to to make a little bit of a move. Even if they sign someone between now and then, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a move there. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Um, hopefully, Dave gets uh, gets uh, again crawls out of the bunker as he as he waits for the uh, the coming apocalypse and, and makes a couple of moves. I don't know why I feel like he's in a bunker. So <laughs> you really hammering. <laughs> Down I'm really hammering. Dave I'm, I'm doubling down Doomsday on that. Prepper. I'm doubling down on uh, Dave Dombrowski, Doomsday Prepper. Dave yeah. Dombrowski. He's he's homesteading in the mid in the in central Virginia somewhere. I think you know. I'm trying to. All right. Um, before we wrap up here, a couple of different things. Liz it was going to read us a couple more recipes uh, from the recipe book here in just a second. But first. Um, there is apparently uh, some kind of rumblings out there about the Phillies City Connect jersey that we're going to see next year. And that they want the vibe or the colors or the whatever, the je ne sais quoi of the City Connect jersey to have something to do with the Philadelphia city flag. And of course, we all remember those, so much about. I mean, yes, the, the deep connection we, we all share with the Philadelphia city flag. We well, all have honestly, them. people do at this point because this has been the a talked about potential aesthetic for the Phillies City Connect jerseys for the past, you know, how long has Ugh. this have City Connect jerseys been a thing? Yeah. This was an early uh, concept that surfaced uh, as far as like what these uniforms could look like. And honestly, early on, I was an advocate of it. I just, in general, I'm a fan of blue and yellow. I think those are like cool colors. There, there would be a huge departure from the Phillies' normal uniform, which is what the City Connect jerseys are supposed to be, and it would reflect the city and blah blah blah. But to be honest, this has gone on for so long, and the Phillies are one of the last ten teams. Well, last eight, because I don't think the A's are going to get one, and I, I don't think the Yankees are are part of it either. Uh, so, like the last eight teams, the last wave of teams to get City Connect jerseys. So we've been talking about this for years and now it's been too long and I'm sick of this. Idea. <laughs> I, I don't think, yeah. I don't think it's actually very creative anymore. It's not super interesting. Uh, you know, but that being said, people are going to hate whatever comes out anyway. Like there will be a, a lot of fainting couches filled, filled with Phillies fans who are upset about whatever aesthetic is chosen for these city connect jerseys. I want them to just be cool. I want them to reflect the city as it is now, but this, this flag thing is, is going to be much more a representation of the past. Uh, if you ask 
Matt Albertson has, has tweeted out pictures of the 1938 Phillies uniforms that did incorporate this, that they potentially could be using a direct parallel of. And to be honest, they're not bad-looking uniforms. You know, they're they're fun. It's 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 cool. It's nice. Uh, I, I like I said though, I feel like there are a lot of different ways you could take this, and this feels pretty simple. Philadelphia is a multifaceted, multi-dimensional insane place to live and watch sports and there's just so many different things you could choose to, to to use as as like the beginning or the idea or the core or even just the details of a city connect jersey and so you know using the city flag just feels a little like okay well i guess we're just going simple with it we'll see you know we don't we have no idea truly what they will look like they could you know be awesome they could be universally beloved they won't be no matter what they, they will no, not be no no but uh but end of the day i just i i felt like I was preparing myself to be underwhelmed because the level of creativity I want to see is simply not what, like, you know, a corporate <laughs> designed yeah. professional well, I mean, sports uniform is going to look like. I don't think they're going to use the Boner Forever mural as a basis. This is really what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sad. That's, I mean, that's yeah. what I want to see. I want to see you get down to that hyper-local level that really, like, thrills people that you're involving that kind of stuff. Instead, it'll just be, like, the flag. I mean, Liz, I, I think we saw kind of the, the, the this is the blue and yellow that we saw with the 2007 Eagles as well when they wore those jerseys one time in 2007 against the Lions uh, that most people absolutely hated. Um, you know, it's just, I think I think part of the problem with blue and yellow with the Eagles or with the Phillies is we're so used to seeing those teams in a certain color, in a certain color scheme that it's jarring to see them in blue and yellow, at least with the Eagles it was. And I think, like you said, Justin, the, the ones from 1938 that were tweeted out, it's a, it's a good-looking jersey. Like, if that was their normal, everyday color scheme, if they were blue and yellow, I'd say, yeah, that's, that's you know, it's it's not, it doesn't wow me, but it's not a bad color scheme, that that blue and yellow. It's on different parts of the color wheel. It works, you know, I get it. The the mock-up that we saw from a couple of people in this uh, this UniWatch article uh, that that's talking about this doesn't doesn't wow me a whole lot. I think, but I mean, I wonder if that's just because I'm so used to thinking red, blue, maroon, powder blue, wh whatever whatever it happens to be, that anything that's going to be outside of that color scheme is going to be a little bit jarring and just generally. I'm not going to I'm not going to like it. And, you know, if we're going to do something creative, well, then let's get a jersey with some batteries on it, you know, and a little snowball yeah. in, in the bottom right hand corner Why or something. Not? And, you know, a, a flare gun going off over overhead or something, you know, something that really right. embraces what the city's about. The <laughs> that guy getting fans tased about. on the field that one time. Yes, yes. Ride the lightning. That would be great. Yeah, Don't it would tease be me, bro, on the front. It would be great if they like uh, to research this. They went through like a bunch of the obviously there's like too much of, of like $40 t-shirts out there being sold. But there are some really, really good artists in Philadelphia mm -hmm. and uh, people who design t-shirts and and uh, and everything and, and have to get around like um, copyright issues and can't directly use the Phillies logo or anything. And they do, some of them do a, such a good job. There's a reason I own so many of these graphic tees. It's, it's a, a problem. But there are so <laughs> many skilled artists out there. And I'm not saying like, you know, you got to let one person design the whole thing. It's obviously going to be a group effort these uh, these creative exercises. But there's there's just a lot of there's just a lot of options. There's a lot of things you can do. And I know that they'll they'll put out a video that says like, well, you know, these these little stitches here represent the the coming together of the two rivers and you're like, yeah, sure, no. whatever. No one's going to see that part, so whatever. Uh so I guess end of the day, there's just there's just so many different directions and so many different artists if you can use his inspiration uh whose work is like, you know, available in t-shirt shops across the internet. 
I just, and they're just not going to do that. <laughs> you know, like that's, we just know they're probably not going to do that. Um, but hey, like I said, we don't know exactly what they're going to look like yet. Maybe they're great. I guess the question is, do you think, what do you think people are going to be madder about? The Phillies losing in the NLCS or whatever these City Connect jerseys are going to look like? Because I think it's probably the jerseys. It's going to be the jerseys. <laughs> We've all moved on. It, I mean, I would love to be angry at a jersey right now because it meant there was something baseball happening, something baseball-ish was going on. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to hate them, whatever they are. I don't know what they could do, like, because they've waited too long. And they're like, well, we can't do anything, like, with, you know, the, with stuff we know, like Ben Franklin or the Liberty Bell or whatever. Like, no, no, no. Do that. Go. You either have to go hyper-futuristic or totally classic. Like, see, I think find a way to to turn the classic uniform on its head. What will the Phillies see, look think, like in a hundred years? Yeah, I, I I like that too. I think the if they're going to incorporate yellow into the jersey as well, it should just be the cheese whiz oozing down Philadelphia across the chest. I mean, that just that if you're talking about what Philadelphia is all about, makes sense to me. Some of the know. stuff is it. I saw a lot of people saying, let's make a Fanatic-based one. And I'm also on record saying the Phillies should incorporate the Fanatic into there. But I think it's he should be incorporated into, like, a, an actual alternate jersey that they would not just wear. I don't know what the rules are with these City Connect jerseys, if they're going to wear them for years to come or, or not. Or I think if, if just they like, like them, the, probably. The couple of years, yeah. But yeah. anyway, point being... If you go to, if you were to have like a fanatic green Phillies uniform, to be honest, I feel like that's too far. I feel like you're going more into minor league novelty territory. Yeah, yeah. And uh, honestly, like the oozing cheese, I feel like that is already like an Iron yeah. Pigs uniform. I feel. Yeah, like you're right. So you're like, right. and that stuff is cool. I enjoy that, but I feel like that is more of a minor league um, fun promo night kind of thing than a major league baseball. Team. I don't know. It's it's a it's a narrow path. You know, it's a, there's a there's a sweet spot, but it's very hard to find. And I think. Philadelphia is just a funny place, and I feel like you could incorporating that in any way, being able to bring the humor of this city in, would be such a huge benefit. Like, obviously not this, but El, uh, Drumline Elmo is like a very specific <laughs> Philadelphia thing. Him do it like drumming in front of a giant tire fire, like that is a very Philadelphia image. <laughs> obviously, it's not going to be that, but I feel like yeah, you got to just you got to be able to reference something that everyone in the city instantly knows what you're talking about and instantly knows it's Philadelphia, but doesn't like doesn't turn it into like a Nickelodeon kind of thing. Yeah. you know what I mean? Am I yeah. expressing no, this yeah. clearly? No, I totally get. <laughs> I hear you. Like I think if they tried to do like a futuristic uniform, like if they could actually take it seriously and do a really interesting thing with it. But if they're in their mind was let's let's do this as a as a novelty uniform, I think it would probably also be awesome. I just yeah. don't I I just don't I think like a, a the the blue and yellow colorway could definitely work, but I think they I think Justin is right, they need more creative people than they do now. They, uh, then, you know, what is it, New Era or Nike or whatever crappy. Nike. Whatever crappy company is doing this, you know, like the whatever the AI that builds all the hats. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's got to fix that thing. You got to kick that AI or something. It, it's, it's going haywire. The like, hats that get dropped are just insane nonsense. You can't convince me that that wasn't the earliest use of AI, and it's actually been That's, going on for years. <laughs> 
I hadn't thought about that. That's a great point. I yeah. mean, when they're just like, we're going to, how about we just cut the logos in half, in, in half and turn them upside down? And now that's a hat. And you're like, who asked for this? Yeah. And now who wants it? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. People are broken, and that's just that's just one indication of it. We're going to so put an outline of a Philadelphia patch of the city outline, and then we're going to have the fanatic on the other side with a cheesesteak on the front. Oh yeah, that's the best. They just slap a cheesesteak on the side. It's like missile. It's misaligned. It's in a different spot on every hat, and you're like, can you just make some, make a functional hat at least? Like, make it a hat. That's the last. That's the first thing it's got to be. It's the only it thing it's got to be. be. Oh, my <laughs> and you're gosh. so busy trying to stitch a Liberty Bell that's like diagonal and for some reason purple and uh, like a bigger image that fits on the hat. Like, why do we? What it's are we like doing? The edges of the patch are hanging off of the hat in every like, there's direction. A like there's a Detroit Tigers logo f- flying around on it for some reason. They're just like, yeah, it's just like the team unity. We just picked two random teams and made a hat out of that. Like, what? No, stop it. What if the Phillies and Mets just change their colors? Ah, <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Good times. In any, any case, yes, this will be. This will wind up being the sports thing that brings Philadelphia to its knees, tragically. <laughs> the City Connectors. We have been waiting too long. The anticipation is too high. Opinions are too strong. People are too insane. It's it's gonna be. It's it's gonna be. It's a gonna mess. be. Yeah, it's gonna be a mess. There's no doubt about it. And we'll be here to tell you uh, how about all about it when it happens. Uh, I don't know when they're gonna announce it, but uh, it's probably gonna get closer to the season. Get closer to the spring. All right. Um, let's finish up here, Liz. A couple weeks ago, uh, was reading us some recipes from this Philly's recipe uh, cookbook that she procured uh, through yes. the InterGoogle. Um, so, uh, Liz, I'm going to, again, hand the floor over to you because uh, I want to hear some more delicious recipes from some old-time Philly's wives. All right. Well, I'm going to – I will continue to read it just forward in the book. I'm not going to skip around because all these people deserve to be heard. Uh Right now, we're talking about Paul Owen. This is his entry. Paul Owens. From the time the, quote, Pope pulls into the gate and parks his car at the vet, he flashes his friendly smile, affable wave, and handshake to ground crew, players, and personnel from the ground level to the executive offices. Paul Owens didn't always settle himself in a, in a baseball office. His background starts at St. Bonaventure's in education. After the service and a, uh, and a ball player's struggle, he started managing in the minors. Many a young ball player he greeted at Bakersfield and guided them further in the Phillies minor league system. Bob Carpenter recognized the talent Paul had and wanted Paul as his general manager and temporary field manager before Bob retired. The rest is history and the legend of a man from Baltimore, Buffalo, excuse me, who along with his faithful, faithful wife, Marcel, and two sons, Danny and Pat, this twiggle-eyed Irishman won the hearts of players and fans and very soon the World Series. Try Marcel's French approach, uh, uh, French approach to Paul's heart, Bouchard Marron's. Uh, chestnut logs. Mm. This, this, oh wow, yes. that is not where I thought we were going here. No, I, I wasn't. Mean, not that I really had an idea, but I was not expecting the phrase "chestnut log" to be the next thing you said. No, <laughs> it rarely is, though. To be fair, <laughs> does that naturally occur in, in, in nature? <laughs> A chestnut log? No, I don't believe so. Um, one thing that it calls for here that I don't think you can get at the store anymore: uh, unsweetened chestnut puree. Hmm. Unsweetened chestnut puree. What do you? 
what do you serve the, with that? That's the kind of thing when I see it listed among a recipe's ingredients, um, I'm either thinking like, okay, so we're making something else. Yep. Or what is a substitute for this? For this? <laughs> How hard yep. is it to get this on the internet? <laughs> Can I just right. use paprika? Yes. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's a chocolate <laughs> and uh, milk melted together with vanilla flavoring. Uh, you blend in sugar and chestnut puree with butter, mixing well with a wooden spoon till smooth and firm. On a serving dish mixture, uh, form the, di- the mixture into the shape of a log. Uh, and with a fork, make your regular squiggles to represent the bark of a tree. <laughs> you have to do this or else it will look like a massive turd, I'm guessing. Right. This is uh, trying oh, I thought to... That was in, I thought was part of the, I thought that was part of the literature. No, it was me. Try... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Trying to uh, recreate the experience of just going out into the woods and just taking a big old bite out of a tree. <laughs> out you know, of a log. Just, when you're feeling hungry and you go a-wandering in the woods, and yeah, one of those trees just looks extra delicious. Why, you just can't help yourself. Why did people think that other people would want to eat something in the shape of a log? Logs were big back then. They Logs were a big thing. Chestnut logs, cheese logs. Yeah, I just don't get it. No, nope. I don't get Log, why logs and logs and loaves. Like when I'm out in the woods, the I don't look lambs. at the trees and get hungry. I, I you know, it's not something. It's not you like a trigger for yourself. I it guess. was all I like guess. weird. It, it was all like weird food shapes. It's like food is bad, so let's put it into weird shapes until we, as a society, figure out how to do it better. I guess let's, let's grind it into a fine paste <laughs> and mold it into the shape of our choosing. That was essentially the entire. That was like cooking in the fifties and sixties. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to knock out these two quickly. This is George Harrison, Vice President, Director of Finance. It is not the George Harrison you all know. It is an old man. Mm. <laughs> an old man who does not look British. Mr. H, as he is commonly known to so many of the longtime mm. employees in the organization, seems ageless. Spoiler, he is not. Mm. Uh, for over ah. 30 years, he has always had a warm greeting and a personal interest in everyone. Mr. Harrison has been handling the financial aspects of the club one way or the other. Uh, his wife, Dorothy, and two children, T- Ted and Pat, handle his, f- handle his finances. <laughs> Dorothy's recipe oh for pink cloud is easy to make and delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and at Wait, the bottom... It is, a, it is always a right hook <laughs> that when you drop the recipe name. Yeah. I thought ending, ending food, food names with log isn't necessarily appealing, but... Now we're moving straight into cloud, which I have never heard. All right. Is that just like, is it just like a mist you walk through? Like, <laughs> I think that's what everyone wishes. Uh, <laughs> so it's an easy, uh, her recipe is easy to make and delicious. And then at the bottom of the page with the recipe, they have the title pink cloud and underneath they have in parentheses, easy to make and delicious. <laughs> that feels that, that, that feels sarcastic. Yeah. What kind of cloud are you making for Thanksgiving this year? Oh, a pink one. Yes. Oh, okay. Normal conversation. Thank you. <laughs> one three-ounce package of strawberry-flavored gelatin, half a cup of crushed peppermint candy, bottled chocolate fudge sauce, one cup of boiling wa- water, and two cups of whipping cream whipped. Dissolve the gelatin Ooh. in boiling water. Chill till partially set. Fold in candy, then the whipped cream. Spoon a six-cup mold and a spoon into a six-cup mold and chill until set. Unmold on serving plate. Top with chocolate fudge sauce. Like every cloud yes. you've ever seen. Topping it's it slath- with chocolate sauce. Slathered with chocolate slathered sauce. Chocolate. Yep. Yes. Well, thank <laughs> you. For right, right. 
pairs well with going into the woods and just gnawing on some tree bark. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to read the next entry. His son, G. Theodore Harrison, the secretary treasurer. His is also just a quick little one. Ted has the perfect background for dealing with finances of the sports club. With guidance from his father, George, he now is, a, is secretary treasurer of the Phillies. His wife, Bobby, is as active on the tennis courts as he is at the vet. <laughs> she treasures the time uh. spent raising their four children, David, Matthew, Mark, and Stephanie. <laughs> That's not where I thought that. Uh, well, I was going to you're laughing very hard at Stephanie. Well, no, I'm not sure. No, it's Steph- David, Matthew, Mark, and you would assume Luke, John, Theodore. Oh, yes. Very well. Yes, the any apostles. Any of the I apostles, got you, no. not. And yes. Even Stephen would have been better than uh, Stephanie. Uh, no, I'm Not tracking. an apostle. Uh, but uh, <laughs> she treasures the time spent raising their four children. She scores on, she scores on her tiny cheesecakes as well. Okay, now that I've heard of. Yeah. Yes, tiny, tiny cheesecakes. cheesecakes. Mm-hmm. Those are fine. Then you have little strawberries on top. That's that works for me. Now, how tiny are we talking? Are we talking like a handheld personal cheesecake? Or are we talking like you could balance it on on your pinky finger? Now it it depends. Actually, use the smallest uh, one and a half inch uh, set base paper or candy cups. And so they're either the cupcake size or they're for candy. They're smaller. It's like the mini. Uh, uh, Reese's, uh, piece a Reese's cup, like the mini ones. Those are that's a tiny cheesecake. That's a tiny little cheesecake. Yeah, it's a little guy. Little wow. guy. I like it though. I like well, it though. See, cheese <clears throat> cheesecake can be a lot if you have it a big a big slice. I'm not a big cheesecake slice guy, so I, I like the little I like the little ones. I like flavored well, cheesecakes. Yeah. If you're feeling a little peckish, uh, this this winter. Just slide a couple of tiny cheesecakes into your pocket. <laughs> walk through a delicious pink mist. Uh, I'll be honest, I stopped. I didn't listen to the actual recipe portion of that Doesn't one. Doesn't matter. I assume it is what I assumed it was. And then, yeah, head on into the woods and find the tastiest looking <laughs> chestnut tree. <laughs> and form it into a log. That seems to be the way we do it around here. Yeah, and let's not forget um, the minced clams by Stephanie clams, Carpenter, Ruley Carpenter's I have, wife. <laughs> I have not been able to stop thinking about the minced clams and not in a good way. Uh, just let... Just tell you that straight up. Well, I, this is uh, this is instructive again. And Liz, I know you've got some more. So oh, I've got um, many we'll d- more. I've got a whole book full. Yep. <laughs> I next will time, not next- stop. Not even if demanded. Next week in America's Test Kitchen, hit and season style, Liz will continue to uh, to read us some more recipes from a bygone era. Um, we'll see if anything else made anything uh, into something resembling a tree. Uh, but as we uh, wrap up this episode of the podcast, let's get to some final thoughts real quick. Uh, Justin, any final thoughts? Uh, the cover of the Baseball Prospectus Annual for 2024 has been revealed, uh, and it's another, you know, just another great one. Uh, Adley Rushman this year, and uh, you know that's not the big news. It's more just like, hey, it's that time of year again where we are far enough along in this process that the cover is 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 revealed, and I am getting feedback on my team essay, which is. Probably not for the team you think it is, and is almost assuredly not for a team that whose fans want to hear from me about their team. But they're going to get it, and it's going to be, <laughs> let's say, hurtful. <laughs> Again, he w- we will not stop. <laughs> let's say. What we are doing, whatever it is. Doesn't matter if you ask us. That's fantastic. But yeah, make sure uh, right. as soon as it's available, start, start pre-ordering the 2024 Baseball Prospectus Annual. It is an essential guide to every Major League Baseball season. There you go. Let me make sure you do that. Uh, Elizabeth, final thoughts. Um, I am still in the process of watching the um, 
the video yearbook for 2023. Uh, they've shown a couple of different montages of Phillies screwing up, which uh, caught my eye at the worst time. And I'm like, hey, is there any good stuff in here? Yeah, 18 minutes in, they already have like two of the, but then we hit a rough Yeah, there's a lot point. of Yeah, like, okay. those are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Trey, you know, whenever the players do it, they always minimize it too. It's like, eh, and then, uh, and then some some rough moments here. You know, it's never like, yeah, we sucked for a month, guys. It was right. awful. Yeah. We had no but, answers either. And this so, is like, a long oh, but one. the blame thing about baseball is that it humbles you. And that's right. Of like a bunch of home runs getting hit off them, and you're like, okay, can we skip? I don't want to. This is not. I don't want to see this. <laughs> they say in baseball, if you're successful, thirty percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I feel like I've heard so many players say that in, in VO. <laughs> yes, indeed, that is. One of that's a, a that's a good one there. We don't have Harry Callis to do these for us anymore, so I don't know. I don't love the players doing it, but uh, it's you know it's better than some. Yeah, I, li- I like the idea, but it just it, it, it doesn't not, work sometimes. I, I don't yeah, want to hear Trey Turner's voice for that long. Yeah, it's a long time. It's a lot of Trey Turner all at once. So you just kind of have to you just kind of have to get used to it. Um, all right, folks. Well, we're gonna wrap up here. I just want to again before we say goodbye, send everyone over to sportspodcastgroup.com. All right, that's where you can vote for Hitting Season or the Dirty Inning for the best baseball podcast of 2023. Uh, just go to where it talks about the, uh, the, the the nominations for the best sports podcasts, and uh, you'll be able to navigate your way over to the best baseball podcast group and vote for Justin's The Dirty Inning or for all of us here at Hitting Season. Again, help us to beat John Heyman. That's really, that's really all we're asking for, folks. If you feel, even if you don't like our podcast all that much, Cast a vote for us to defeat John Heyman, and uh, and and let's let's make this work. Let's make this happen together. Sportspodcastgroup.com is where you go to do that. The voting runs through the end of January, so uh, still a couple of weeks to get that done. Um, but uh, hopefully, it would be amazing if uh, the dirty inning or hitting season uh, was able to come out on top there. All right, so folks, make sure that you do that. Also, check out our hitting season Patreon. Patreon.com slash hit and season is how you get there. That's how you hear the dirty inning as well as absolutely hammered. And again, don't forget to check out our friends over at billypen.com. Our landing page there is billypen.com slash hit and season. That's where you find all of our articles uh, and um, uh, all of our podcasts and everything there as well. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Hopefully the next time we talk, we'll have some actual news to discuss, but whether we do or not, we'll talk all about what's been going on with the fills and around major league baseball right here on hit and season.